The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Maybe ho, ho, ho is more appropriate since it is December. Merriment of the season to you. Happy Chrismica, as someone wished me today. And whatever holidays you happen to celebrate this time of year, may they be just absolutely warm and fuzzy and fabulous. And uh, may at least a whole bunch of your dreams come true. Why not? It's such a pleasure to welcome you to the Main Street Vegan Show. If you are brand new, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much for stopping in. I'm Victoria Moran. You can find out all about what I do at MainStreetVegan.net. We've got so much stuff going on over there. We have an academy and lots of books and a blog. This week's blog post I wrote my very self and it's called Sexy Elder Vegan Chronicles 1. Yep, that's because uh, a month or so ago, I won alongside the male winner, Dr. Joel Kahn, PETA's Sexiest Vegan Over 50. And you know, that's just interesting. And so I wrote about what it means to be well over 50 and be a sexy vegan. So check it out at MainStreetVegan.net, and if there's anything that we can do to further your vegan journey, just ask. That's what we're here for. And we have some wonderful support from a wonderful sponsor that I'm going to introduce to you right now, if you don't know them already, and they are Vegan Outreach. You probably do already know about the work that they do to create a vegan world. Well, they have an opportunity for you right now to make an incredible difference for animals. A group of donors has pledged to match your donation to Vegan Outreach so it will go twice as far in persuading more people to go vegan. Your $50 donation becomes $100 and so on. So don't miss this chance to double the good you can do for animals. Make your tax-deductible donation now at veganoutreach.org. And right now, our outreach is to you, introducing our wonderful first guest, Robin Raven. Robin is an author, an actress. She grew up in Alabama, has a BFA from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, and over a decade of experience as a journalist and writer, 
and her wonderful blog, RobinRaven.com. Well, now she has come out with her very first children's book, and it's called Santa's First Vegan Christmas, published by our good friends at Vegan Publishers. Welcome, Robin Raven. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. So what gave you the idea for turning Santa vegan? Uh, Well, you know, uh, that's a good question. You know, I was watching a lot of holiday movies and looking at a lot of Christmas art. I'm a huge Christmas enthusiast. And one year I was noticing that there's this casual violence within the Santa world that's sort of accepted without question. Um, For example, in many old depictions of Santa in paintings and drawings and illustrations, he's carrying a whip. And the art shows that a midair about to land on a reindeer. And, um, and um, I, you know, I was kind of taken aback by this casual violence in the holiday tales that kind of goes unaddressed um, by otherwise kind-hearted heroes. Um, so it made me think of how often animals are treated cruelly in real life. Um, horses are, you know, treated like that today. Uh, and it also reminded me of instances in my own life where I've encountered injustice. And the character of Dana the Reindeer was born. <laughs> and she's a, she's a fun character. She has her quirks, and she stands up for herself and others without hesitation. So she's the hero of the story. <laughs> oh, that's great. We, we like those strong female heroines, yes. reindeer, human, or otherwise. <laughs> it's so interesting when you talk about the, the casual violence. I am listening on Audible to a fascinating book by Deepak Chopra, and his co-author is Dr. Rudolph Tanzi, who worked on discovering the Alzheimer's uh, gene. The book is called Super Genes, and it is so good. And yet, the way that animal experiments, and even those horrible psychological animal experiments of maternal deprivation and things like that, are woven in so frequently it, it just breaks my heart. It seems like even if somebody wants to use that kind of stuff because the information exists, even though it was gotten in such a terrible way, that there needs to be a caveat. There needs to be a, now we're going to say something that could be disturbing. Skip this part if you don't want to hear something awful. But the world outside doesn't see it that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're so, right. I can't, I can't stand to hear... Um violent stories or even in magazine articles reading about violence i always find it so so upsetting enjoying well we are a non-violent movement at heart and i i love it when we stand up for peacefulness and ahimsa so with santa's first vegan christmas who are you writing to Oh, well, you know, I really hope it appeals to all ages. Um, it's really warmed my heart to hear that a lot of families have been embracing the story. Um, and the wonderful artwork by my books illustrator, Kara Maria Schunk. Um, so I've, I've heard feedback that families have been embracing it, and that, that really is exciting to me. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, there's something about children's literature that you remember – a lot of that stuff your whole life. I think it really shapes people, and it's wonderful that there's at least a little bit out there for, for children and certainly quite a bit about uh, kindness to animals, just maybe not all animals, which I think <laughs> is what our job is to extend that. So Dana the reindeer, who's the main character in your book, is all about kindness, and this is the season of kindness and all that. So what are some things that we can all do to be kinder each day? Um, you know, I think we all have a dozen of opportunities each day to do kind things. And I think it can start um, with simple, something simple as how we interact with each other, strangers that we meet, uh, just really taking the time to be here present and listen to what they have to say. Um, and then to dozens of choices we have each day um, about what we buy, what we eat, uh, yeah, it's so important. I think also making a log of, of what we do is really interesting. I've been doing that lately just in the evening. I just kind of make a little list of the things that I did today that really hit the mark, the things that I'm, I'm proud about. And there's just something about going to sleep with that in your consciousness, I think makes you want to do more good stuff tomorrow. 
That's a great idea. That's a, I, you know, I journal, but I, I haven't, I haven't done that. I'm going to try that now. That's a fantastic idea. Oh, well, happy to have something to pass along. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so with Christmas coming, what should vegan families leave out for Santa? Now, I hear he likes chilled almond milk or soy milk <laughs> and vegan cookies, and a copy of Santa's First Vegan Christmas would be nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because then we'll just reinforce his veganism as he goes on through the year. We, we had a, a wonderful experience uh, last year uh, visiting uh, a Santa in a department store who happens to be vegan. And one of the children who was with us said that what she wanted for children was for people to be kinder to animals. And Santa said, you know, Santa has been thinking about this himself more and more lately and how important it is to really recognize the, the individuality and the importance of all animals. And I just hope that every little kid who says, but they want people to be kinder to Santa gets an answer like that. Me too. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, that's why all, all the Santas need a copy of your book. <laughs> yes, that would be wonderful. <laughs> so it's very exciting that you're doing so well with, with your new book. I know you've got great reviews in, in Veg News and Vegan Health and Fitness and all over. And you've got blurbs from, I mean, some amazing people. You got a blurb from Peter Singer. Peter Singer doesn't yes. blurb anybody. So yes. congratulations on <laughs> that. That's you. absolutely wonderful. So uh, what's next for you? More writing? Um, I do. I'm working on several different projects, um, some books for children and a novel and some other projects. So I should have news on that soon. And you haven't heard the last of Dana the Reindeer. Oh, so. goody. <laughs> so is, is the novel, is it a vegan novel? Um, it, you know, the hero, the heroine of it is vegan, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the, the main story isn't. But sometimes, you know, when I create characters, it's like, um, it's, a, it's such a part of me that sometimes I, that's the kind of character I envision. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the sort of incidental vegan characters are very, very important. Ages and ages ago, oh my gosh, I, I was but a wee young thing. Um, and I was living in my hometown of Kansas City, and they happened to have the Republican convention there that year. And I met a man on the bus named William Sapphire. Now, I didn't know who he was, but it turns out he was a very famous conservative columnist who wrote for the New York Times. And I helped him find this old Chinese document that he was looking for at an antiquarian bookstore. And he was so happy about that that he ended up taking me to lunch and months later, I received a copy of a novel that he wrote based on his time as a speechwriter in the Nixon White House. It was called Full Disclosure. And he said, see page, and I think it was 44. And he described his main character as the way I looked that day on the bus. And he made her a vegetarian. So, Aww, you know, it's cool. important. You know, we've got to just be out there in the world talking to people who aren't just like us. But mm -hmm. letting them know that we're vegan and sane and uh, if yes. they want to spread that on in literature or some other way, we're okay with that. Absolutely. Oh, I love that story. That, that must have made you feel so great. Amazing to get that in the mail. Well, you know, it's stunning sometimes when you just are friendly and you speak up <laughs> and let people know who you are. It kind of ripples out. So mm -hmm. speaking of ripples, what is your hope for Santa's first vegan Christmas? How do you hope that it will affect people? I hope that it inspires them to be more kind. That's um, one of my favorite things that Dana says in the book, that we can all be more kind. Um, and um, hope it encourages them to think about what is isn't always right. And... Um, Hope it presents a new meaning to Santa's kindness, which should extend to animals as well as people. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. How did you become vegan? What caused you to make the shift? Oh, I became a vegetarian as a child, um, actually, um, out of concern for animals. I um, uh, Seeing animals not treated so well, and I, I became fiercely defensive of animals, and I feel very passionate about protecting them and uh, not causing harm to them. And I became a vegan more recently, and I'm a vegan for life now once I made the connection between 
the dairy and egg industries as well. That's lovely. Now you're you're living back in your home state um, at this point for a while. Yeah. How how is it? I mean, you know, Alabama doesn't seem like quite the bastion of veganism, but I'll bet it is around your house. <laughs> it definitely is around my house. And, you know, it's funny because growing up um, in the 90s uh, when I went vegetarian, there was not much here for vegetarians at all. Um, but now that's not true. We just got our first Whole Foods in Mobile. <laughs> and it has, like, even vegan pre-made pies and, like, vegan – like, you can get anything um, vegan there. And there are vegan things in the grocery store now and um, – yeah, it's just so much easier now. It's amazing. Just in 20 years, the like, huge change even here. That yeah. It's really easy to be vegan even in small town Alabama now. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, we are about to get our first Whole Foods in Harlem up here oh. in uptown Manhattan. It's supposed to open in January on a corner that as long as I have lived in New York, long before I lived in Harlem, but when I would bring people up here for tours and things, it was just an empty lot. And now it's going to have Whole Foods and Olive Garden and Burlington Coat Factory and all this stuff. And as much as I love Mon Paws and I wish every business were owned by regular people who could make the American dream happen for themselves, you know, when you're comparing wonderful stores including a Whole Foods <laughs> to an empty lot, it's good. It's Absolutely. That's awesome. I think so much of this trying to live a better life and make a better world is about, you know, maybe it's just better. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not exactly the way we would envision. But if we can do something like you've done this beautiful children's book, beautiful Christmas children's book, and you're going to reach people who are going to hold on to that message and then pass it on to their children and I don't know that most of us are going to live to see a completely vegan world, but it is getting better all the time. And I think at a time of year like this, we can say, well, wow, you know, when we ushered in 2016, we didn't have, you know, this and this and this. We didn't have a Whole Foods in Mobile, Alabama, and now we do. So, (laughs) So where do we get this sweet little book? Oh, you know, it's available on Amazon and at the Vegan Essentials uh, website. They carry it. The PETA catalog, uh, my publisher's website, the Vegan Publishers, Barnes & Noble, and you can also special order at any local independent bookstore if it's not already in stock. So. Wonderful. So, yeah. I, I love it that you got a word in for the indies. The yes. website is RobinRaven.com. She's Robin Raven on Facebook and Twitter. The book is Santa's First Vegan Christmas, and we'll put all that information on the Main Street Vegan show notes over at MainStreetVegan.net. Robin, thank you so much for joining us, and may you have an absolutely delightful Christmas. Thank you so much, Victoria. Same to you. Happy Vegan Christmas. (laughs) All right. All the best, and everybody else, stay with us. We're going to be speaking with Judy Carmen author of The Missing Piece about vegan spirituality. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, 
feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul. The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back. Welcome back to our holiday show or one of our holiday shows because we've got two more episodes after this one before Christmas happens. But I have um, one apology and one request. The apology is if you tried to listen to last week's episode, we talked to uh, David Benzequin about tomato sushi, and then we talked with this wonderful author, W. Bruce Cameron, whose book, um, A Dog's Purpose, is going to be a big old feature film coming out next month. It was such a great conversation, but we had a technical glitch, and so it, it didn't get up on the Unity website or on iTunes or any of the places it was supposed to be for several days. So it's there now. If you didn't catch it, oh, please do, because I really think it's one of our best ever. So sorry about that. And now here's my request. It's Christmas time. I can ask for a present, can't I? Well, if you'd be willing, uh, would you please go on iTunes and give Main Street Vegan Podcast a five-star ranking, and if you've got enough time and willingness, a really nice review, too, because what I'm told by the good people there at Unity Online Radio is that those five stars and the reviews bring a particular podcast up higher. So when people go to iTunes and they're just looking for vegan something, they'll be more likely to find this one. So if you can do that, thank you so much, and uh Thank you anyway, just for listening and being part of this experience with us today. It is my pleasure now to introduce you to a woman I have admired for a very, very long time, and that is Judy Carmen. She is the author of Peace to All Beings. I love her subtitle, Veggie Soup for the Chicken Soul. And she's the co-author with Tina Volpe of The Missing Piece, and that's P-E-A-C-E, The Hidden Power of Our Kinship with Animals. Judy has been an activist for 40 years. She co-founded with Will and Madeline Tuttle the Worldwide Prayer Circle for Animals. She's a member of Indefensive Animals Council on Sustainable Activism, and she co-hosts with Lisa Levinson, who's been on our show in the in the past, the Vegan Spirituality Conference Call. Because, you know, there are a lot of us who are vegan, and we also have some sort of uh, spiritual path that we are trying to tread. And Judy is one of the best at bringing those together. Welcome, Judy Carmen. Oh, thank you, Victoria. That's very sweet. And my admiration goes back to you, of course. Um, we met years ago, actually, in Kansas City. So, But um, now that, that we know that 
I've been an activist for 40 years. Everybody knows I'm old, one of those old <laughs> activists. <laughs> oh, no, no. You can start in the womb. That That's allowed. <laughs> we may well, have. <laughs> I wonder about that sometimes. <laughs> you know, I do too. I think sometimes we just bring it with us. It's funny, last week talking with Bruce Cameron, his his book is fictional, but it's about a dog who reincarnates through many lifetimes. And I have a feeling some of us were trying to stand up for the underdogs and the underhumans, maybe at times before this. Mm-hmm. So, Judy, tell us your journey. Just give us a once upon a time, way back 40 years ago, what happened that took you on this well, path? Um, I grew up in a home in Kansas, Kansas City, that uh, probably had never even heard of vegetarians much less vegans, even though Donald Watson coined the term the year I was born. Nevertheless, uh, it had not been heard, I don't believe, by my family, which included um, people who worked at the stockyards in Kansas City back in the 50s when they still brought cows in to the city in the middle of downtown. It's hard to imagine that now, but they really did do that back then. Yeah, it's not hard for me because I was there. I remember as a little kid, we'd cross that bridge. I think Mm -hmm. they called it viaduct. And I would always say, it smells like elephants, not Uh knowing that they were killing cattle. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was right there in the middle of everything. And, And it was a point of pride for Kansas City at the time. And uh, I had uncles who worked there, and my dad happened to be um, a major hunter who killed, went over to Africa and killed many animals and killed wolves in Alaska and polar bears. And so our home was full of animal heads and skins, and um, and it was it was a very confusing thing because I loved animals and like you said some of us maybe are just born that way but then you know lots of children are just naturally drawn to animals and so it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me but i had no idea that there was an alternative way of living but i still was that it was just there in the back of my mind all the time there's something wrong with this picture and my probably my first animal activist action was when my dad was going to kill the muskrats in a pond and i pushed the gun so he couldn't he couldn't aim right oh. and <laughs> so so but still i didn't have it well formed in my head at all I tried to stop eating animals once I found out that's what that was, because how does a child know, you know? It looks like, it doesn't look like an animal when you are given a piece of meat. But when I found out, I tried to stop eating, and um, my choice instead was donuts and frosted flakes, right? Which, which isn't a real healthy diet. So I got pretty sick, and I thought, well, I guess you have to eat meat because that's what everybody says. So it took a long time, but eventually I, um, I started, and this is for the young people, it's, it can show how important it is that we're all reaching out to each other now on the Internet because there was no Internet then. And we found out things about these strange vegetarians um, just by um, talking to people. And it, and it actually kind of came about in the environmental community. A lot of environmentalists, that was a, a new activism taking place, fairly new, too. And a lot of them were vegetarian back then. And all the activism kind of went together, feminists and environmentalists, it all made sense that it was all to to end domination and exploitation of uh, of those who were being exploited. 
So since then, a lot of the groups, of course, have specialized, as we know. But anyway, I it was other people that helped me understand that you can be a healthy vegan and um and of course then in the in the late 70s and 80s things really started getting going and <clears throat> i can remember calling in defense of animals on the telephone again before the internet to ask for help with stopping some experiments that they were doing at grade schools where i lived um, where the dairy council was bringing in rats, and the kids were supposed to feed one rat junk food and the other one milk and a supposedly healthy human diet to prove that they shouldn't eat junk food. And, of course, it made no scientific sense since they were rats, and... And then, of course, the rats were killed at the end of the experiment. So um, with their, with in-defensive animals' help, I was able to get that stopped in that one town anyway. And um, so, so, yeah, from there, um, it just kept, it, the movement itself kept growing. And we learned more and more. We got more and more tools and... Um, so everywhere I went, we moved around to several different places. There were places, I mean, there were groups that were forming so that we could do protests and education and um, all that stuff. So, but as far as my spirituality, um, that was, I was real disenchanted with churches because they seem to be ignoring animals altogether. And I think a lot of us have had that problem of maybe loving the music at the church, but feeling alienated and um, unable to really commit to a place where animals were being eaten at the meals, furs were being worn um, in services, and and men were talking about going hunting or fishing after the service and all of that. So so I was on a spiritual journey as well as a vegan journey. And those two sometimes find a way to intersect. And I think that's what happens in, in this thing that you and uh, Dr. Tuttle and Madeline Tuttle started, Circle of Compassion. What What is that? Well, um, basically, it's at um, circleofcompassion.org online, and what we do is we have people sign up there, and their commitment is to say these words every day, hopefully at noon, so that we're all saying it at the same time, or any time, because it doesn't really matter as far as the universe is concerned. And the words are, compassion encircles the earth for all beings everywhere. And the idea behind that is to get our, our intention in line with each other and our vision in line with each other in a positive way <clears throat> so that we're saying compassion does encircle the earth for all beings everywhere. And, and we know that it does. And But by saying it and by knowing it, we increase the energy field of that, those words. And eventually what already exists in the unseen will come out and we will create the vegan world that, that we're all envisioning. So that's the idea behind that. And then uh, we have... Um, just various things on the website to encourage people and um, and have ideas of things, other things we can do besides prayer <clears throat> to help the animals. And um, one thing that we promote is the idea that prayer is is one of the most powerful forces on earth. And even though um, you know, you don't have to call it prayer. You could call it intention uh, if you're not, you know, 
feeling real lined up with religions, um, and the word prayer, you can call it intention um, very easily. And it's the same thing. Or focused thought is another word for it. But Gandhi said it was the, the most powerful force that exists. And so, so we're kind of trying to add that in to animal rights work, to add in that spiritual element. And so in addition to the website that we have, which has lots of resources on it um, and encouragement, uh, we also have um, a Per Circle Facebook. And I post a prayer on the Facebook every week. And it is the same prayer that I send out to all the people who have signed up to say the noon prayer. So I have uh, just sent out my 300th prayer. (laughs) So that's 300 prayers over 300 different weeks. And what I try to do in those prayers is have a little, maybe a news item, or maybe something that's related to um, an event like St. Francis Day, for example, or the upcoming holidays, which um, are where when everyone is talking about peace on earth. And I try to tie in my prayer to something like that, something that's current. And But my main goal is twofold. One is to bring hope and encouragement to our vegan prayer partners. But also, um, not just that, but to help the animals. And it may seem kind of like, gosh, I'm just saying the words. Is this really doing any good? But I believe that it does. Will and Madeline believe that it does, and, and many people do, of course, believe that this this prayer power is something that we we can't measure, but it does it does happen, and we need all the ways possible to help animals. There's so much happening to them, lots of good things, um, and then lots of lots of reason for hope, but. Still, as as you know and as all of us know, there's still so much tragedy and so much suffering. And so we just have to stay on it. We have to be faithful prayer partners with the animals. And I, I really feel, um, and I'm sure a lot of you listeners have felt this too, this connection that we have with animals because we're vegan that they somehow recognize that, and especially if we spend serious time with them. And so you get this feeling of this um, really uh, beyond words kind of feeling that they understand that we are trying to help. And that has to uplift them somehow. And so... I I feel that really strongly when I'm... We live out in the country, and so our neighbors have cows. And uh, when I walk past them, if, they, if they're if they interested, because they recognize me, they'll come over to the fence, and I sing to them. And I just feel so strongly that they really want to hear me sing, even though I don't have a very good voice. (laughs) It's just that inner change that I'm giving them some love, and I can feel them sending it back to me. And it's some sort of spiritual connection that, you know, we can't see and maybe can't even define, but it's so there, and I know a lot of you all have felt that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons dogs are taking care of us, so that they can teach us. If we if we happen to live with a dog, they're our best teachers that we're well, connected. They are, 
to the animal. And they they love to meditate. Cats too. Mm-hmm. You you start. That is one of the best ways when people say, "Oh, I could never meditate. I don't have the discipline." But if you have a companion animal. That gives you the discipline because they look forward to it. You have to do it for for Uh your dog or your cat. So just so everybody can follow along with what's going on with you online, circleofcompassion.org. That's Mm -hmm. where we can sign up to say the little affirmation every day, ideally at noon. And then for more support, you have Prayer Circle for Animals page on Facebook. I know you have some others, too. And we'll right. put all that on the show notes. We just want everybody to be uh, keeping up. So yeah, now the Periscope Facebook, um, you can post prayers on there if you want okay. to. Just okay. join it, and I'll approve you, and then um, you can post prayers if you have a certain animal that you want prayers for, oh. or you run across an, an interesting article related to that. Um, there's a woman who posts animals who need homes. There's so there's uh, lots of ways to use that Facebook. Okay, cool. You know, Facebook is amazing. It's kind of a love hate thing because yes. <laughs> there's a lot about Facebook that's like, oh my gosh, I <laughs> wish they'd never even thought of it. But then on some other hands, oh my goodness, what it can do for the animals is is really fabulous. Now you've got another prayer thing going on, the Animal Prayer Flag Project. What's right. that about? Yes. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I just love that. And I just got a new batch of flags from Kathmandu yesterday that I had ordered. They, uh, It's a family of flag makers that goes back, I think, three or four generations. And it's fair trade, so the woman who um, deals with them makes sure that they get... Um, adequate pay for their work, and they are prayer flag makers. So there's a lot of really good energy in the flags, um, and but these flags are um, designed for animals, because I kept seeing all these great Tibetan prayer flags and the strings of flags and everything, and I thought, animals need their flag. So my sister did the artwork, and uh, we put one together and um, found these flag makers. And so you can find those on my website, which is peacetoallbeings.com. And there's actually a little video of where some of the flags are flying uh, with a song in the background by um, Daniel Redwood. It's, I love uh, Daniel Redwood. Yes, it's a wonderful song, one of his. He's written a number of amazing animal rights songs. And so this one um, is in the background when you see the pictures of the flags in different places. And and then I have um, pictures, more pictures, that people have sent me where their flags are flying at different sanctuaries and places like that. But um, some of them are, are... have been hung at places where animals are abused, like zoos and circuses and places like that. And, of course, those flags don't stay put very long. But the ones at the sanctuaries and at people's homes um, stay put. Oh, that's lovely. but, But a picture, there's one picture of a solitary gorilla at a zoo in um, in the little slideshow that I have on there, where the flags fly is what it's called, mm-hmm. and um, it 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 just brings you to tears when you see it because there's the flag for for freedom, praying for freedom for all the animals, and here's this this solitary gorilla all by herself in this oh. barren cage, and so it's. It's a way, you know, you could hang the flag in a place like that, and who knows how many people might be inspired by it before it gets taken down by the zookeepers or whoever. But the the words on it are, may all beings live free, um, in big letters, and then at the bottom it says, love the whole world, embrace nonviolence, 
end the wars on animals, the earth, and people. Go vegan. Oh, so, yeah, that's and it's got beautiful. It's drawings of different animals that kind of represent the different communities of animals that we're, we're working to save and, and give voice to. Wow. So that's the that's the flag project. That's and so cool. And people that aren't familiar with the Tibetan theology that the, where the prayer flag came from in in Tibet and in countries where exiled Tibetans are, are now living, they're just flying all over everywhere. And of course, the weather and the wind wears away the the writing or the images. And the belief is that as those images disappear, they're they're going up. Uh, to the powers that be. Right, <laughs> so exactly. uh, it's like a prayer telegraph. Exactly. And that was my thinking, was that we needed these words to be flying around. Yes. <laughs> and, and yes, um, spreading the this concept of freedom for all beings all mm-hmm. over the earth. And so I, um, I'm trying to get as many as I can up. In different countries, ah, so there's wonderful. there's one in Russia and in Australia, and Will um, has been traveling. Will Tuttle has been traveling quite a bit internationally this past year, and he's I believe he's in Hawaii right now, and um, so he hangs flags up <laughs> in those countries, That's and um, so I've got some pictures of those too. Maybe we need to send one. To Washington, D.C. Ah. Um, <laughs> moving on, you have created a really interesting concept of vegan spirituality, and you talk about humans not as Homo sapiens, but Homo ahimsa. What's that all about? Right. Well, the word ahimsa is Sanskrit for nonviolence. Um, Unconditional love, it, it has a lot of really deep meaning. And Gandhi took a vow of ahimsa, as many Hindus have, which is the vow of non-harm. And so I thought, hmm, that's where we all need to be. We all need to become this new creature, this creature that does no harm. And uh, Homo sapiens means the wise Homo <laughs> human, and um, I think we missed that a little. But uh, I'm saying let's just leap on over to Homo ahimsa, and I see that happening. And of course, there's many philosophers who've talked for centuries about how humanity, how human beings have it almost encoded into them to evolve spiritually or consciously, whatever you want to call it, um, to to reach the ideal that that they've always been meant to to meet. And the ideal is seen in almost every religion, which is love one another and and do no harm and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And all of those are fairly universal ideals for for human beings that human beings talk about and want to be like, and yet we fall short. And, uh, and of course, that idea has been largely limited to human beings because we have somehow come up with the idea that we are the center of the universe, that we're the dominant species, that we're better than all the others, and therefore have the right to dominate them and have an endless pursuit of trying to prove that we're better than the others and that somehow, and and not just non-human animals, but other people as well, that somehow we have the right to dominate and exploit them. And so it's we have lived in this culture of domination for at least the last 10,000 years, 
which started with animal agriculture, many believe, um, many anthropologists talk about that being the case. And it led to this idea that we have the power to dominate others, and therefore we just will because we can. But homo ahimsa is the next step in where we can go and and meets gets closer to the ideal of what we've all been talking about and somehow have a deep knowing about. I think there's a deep awareness in all people that we are kin to all the animals, that we're not above them, but actually in kinship with them, and that we mourn that loss that we have had that's happened to us by becoming um, meat eaters and animal dominators. We've lost that connection, and I think there's a, a deep mourning for that. And I think there's a deep longing for that ideal that we all keep talking about of loving one another and including everyone. Why not? Why would we stop at just people, loving just people? So um, there's, uh, as I said, lots of philosophers, lots of spiritual uh, teachers who are talking about that and have been for many, Mm. many centuries. So uh, that's kind of uh, how I came up with that. And, and, and you can read. Excuse me, what? Well, I was just going to say, and then we can read more about that in your book, Peace to All Beings. Yes, you sure can. Yeah, that's that's where uh, I started with that concept. Okay. And there's lots of, also lots of prayers in that book that anyone can use. They're Lovely. more than welcome to use any of the prayers for any kind of ceremony that they might want to have or just in their own meditation. You have so much going on, Judy. I'm not going to get nearly to all the things I wanted to talk with you about, so I'm going to try to ask this next question or two quickly. Okay. <laughs> uh, you and, and Lisa Levinson uh, from In Defense of Animals and also Thomas Jackson, the filmmaker for The Compassion Project. And, oh, my gosh, since he was on the show, he has been in Morocco. He's getting ready to go to India. Yeah, The Compassion Project started as this little tiny movie, and now it's going to be this great, big, massive, amazing, incredible documentary. So I know. that's he very, very cool. Help. Yeah. Um, but but you guys are at the helm of the Interfaith Vegan Coalition. What's that, and how can people get involved? Okay. Well. Um, yes, we would love people to get involved. Um, we're just in the beginning stages. And so we have um, come up with a mission statement, and um, we're, we've got a Facebook page, uh, but we need a website, and so we're working on that. So like I said, we're definitely in the initial stages. But what we want to achieve um, well, a number of things, but one thing is a to be kind of a clearinghouse resource page where people can go, or website, and find, let's say they're Catholic, and they want to approach their priest about um, having vegan meals at the church. And they come to our website and they look up Catholic, and we have a whole bunch of resources for them, ideas for things that they could talk about with their priest or their or the people that go to their church, and um, books that they could share, um, leaflets that they could bring with them, uh, all kinds of things like that. And and not only that, but um, how do you even talk to other Catholics about this controversial issue? And one wonderful thing is Catholics and many other religions already have a lot of groups that are speaking out for animals. Um, there's a Catholic concern for animals, for example, and so we can direct them to, to that group. So um, that's one of our goals, and... Um, to get involved, uh, they could email either Lisa or me, 
and my email, um, should I give that over the... Yeah, go ahead, and we'll put okay. it on the show notes as well. Okay, it's Judy Carmen, and that's C-A-R-M-A-N, at ymail.com. Okay. And, yes, Great. we'd well, love to have help. Um, we've got a number of spiritual leaders who are interested, um, who've already produced, like uh, Dharma Voices for Animals, for example, already has some really great resources, and we want to reference them in our resource list. And uh, so somebody uh, that is listening may know of some resources, too, that we could use. So we're basically going to be a clearinghouse, and, uh, but then we also want to um, provide um, encouragement to people uh, on, on every level to reach out to their church or synagogue or whatever it is to, <clears throat> to spread the world, word about the animals and Yay. how much help they need. Oh, well, they need a lot, and you have so much to share about this. Let's do this again next December. I would love it. <laughs> see how far we've come. Thank you so much, Judy Carmen, and everybody tune in next week. We're going to have Allison Rivers Sampson from the Dairy Detox talking about why we don't need milk from cows. And also Linda Long from J- Great Chefs Cook Vegan. She will have just returned from Kuwait where she has been teaching vegan cooking classes in the desert. Amazing. God bless you, everyone, and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. There's a story about a man who was looking for a new home. When he arrived at the gate of a city, he asked, Tell me what kind of people live here. The gatekeeper replied, Tell me about the people in the place you've come from. He answered, They were angry, self-centered, and dishonest. The gatekeeper said, They're just like that here. You wouldn't be happy. Move on. Later, another stranger arrived and asked the same question. The gatekeeper said, Tell me about the people in your last town. She answered, Oh, they were wonderful, kind, generous, and loving. The gatekeeper replied, the people of this town are just like that. Come on in. You'll be happy here. Often we see the world not as it is, but as we are. If you want to change the world, start with yourself. Be the kind of person you wish the rest of the world would be. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? 
Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Dendy Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.